0: Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, and uh, we are really excited for this month of July to be diving in consistent with our Sunday uh, experiences to, and it takes a village Version uh, where we hear from some outside voices beyond our church, people who are part of our extended village of support that we get to partner with. Uh, to try to help our, make our world a better place. And uh, first things first, I wanted to sit down with our mayor in the city of St. Catharines, Mayor Walter Senzik. And so he was willing to sit down with us. Uh, mayor Senzik, welcome to the podcast. It's great uh, to be able to chat with you.
1: Jeff, thank you very much for the invite. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and I always enjoy catching up with you and, and listening to the podcast. And uh, this is yeah, a great opportunity for me. It's great to be here.
0: For for those of us maybe outside of St. Catharines or listening from you know way beyond yonder, uh, do you want to just give us uh, outside of being the mayor of the city of St. Catharines, uh, just a little bit of your personal background and history? Yeah, born and raised in the in
1: the city, and so you know my my family goes back a number of generations and went away to school came back started a business was fortunate that i was able to to sell that business and then get involved with a business organization here in Niagara uh, through the the greater niagara chamber of commerce and through that uh, decided that there was an opportunity to to run for mayor and and in doing so was 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 honored to be elected as mayor in 2014 and re- really gave me an opportunity to be a part of the changes that were happening for the positive in our community. There's a lot of great things happening in St. Catharines, but in order to achieve those things, you need a lot of people and you need a, a vision moving forward. And so uh, from 2014 till now, I've had the great honor of, of being a mayor. I'm um, in my second term now, Jeff. And it's a uh, it's a great city with a long history and a lot of opportunity in front of it. So I'm very fortunate to be in the position I am.
0: Awesome. Other than navigating a global pandemic, like <laughs> what are you up to these days? What do you what do you do for fun? <laughs> so uh,
1: yeah, navigating the pandemic. It's these have been some of the probably the most challenging times of my life. But I I, I do I do believe that. Uh, we are destined for for that which which happens to us and the experiences that we've collected along our journey uh, do do come to fruition in times where we may, may not be aware of something that's going to happen but then they do happen and i i do find uh, i don't know if it's fun or not but for for me it's it's well for me it's it's fun it's it's going for a run being out in nature i see you jeff on the trail uh, you're much faster than i am and it's just an opportunity for me to separate myself from my position and, uh, be more at one with my surroundings. And so when I do go for a run, it's, it's more than just a physical renewal. It's a, it's a mental and spiritual renewal as well.
0: Yeah. Those who are listening and need to know, uh, Walter and I live about a mile from each other, probably less than that. And, uh, do see each other on the trail, sweating it out, cheering each other on as, you know, people, uh, getting now up in 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 years a little bit and uh it's 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 funny when we're passing each other sweat dripping we barely see each other we're passing by each other so quickly it's like oh hey how's it going and i think you're the quick one jeff
1: you're the quick
0: i'm i'm slowly i mean i'm usually chasing a kid that's why it's hard to (laughs) it's hard to pay too much attention to you but do you have any um do you have any exciting summer summer plans how's that how's that shaping down
1: yeah, I think, you know, my daughter is going away to university, and, and so we want to spend some time with her before she ventures off to university, so there's some some plans in the works there. Obviously, a lot of the stuff's up in the air in terms of being able to travel to places we may want to go, but I, I think it's just exploring our community, exploring the community just beyond Niagara, and doing some day trips here and there, um, and really it's um, this will be the summer where I hope we're able to get out and, and be with friends and family and in different unique settings, whether it's at wineries or heading out into Niagara on the lake or you know heading into Port Colborne, just places where we can we can be with more than who we have been maybe in the past year. So uh, connecting with some friends that I may not have been able to connect with over the past year. So I'm looking
0: to looking forward to those kind of uh, in those kind of connections. Yeah, there's a tremendous sense of optimism about the summer, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, well, listen, we're, we're going to chat today about your favorite topic, the state of the city of St. Catharines. And and knowing that you also represent St. Catharines as part of Niagara Region Council, uh, we can talk about the region in, in general. But before we do, and you know, we mentioned the pandemic, how has the last year been for you personally? Oh, I guess, I, I, Jeff, it's it's been some of the most challenging
1: and also rewarding uh, as an individual in a leadership position, and much like yourself and others in leadership positions who are who are helping people along, it's uh, there was no there was no playbook that you could have pulled off the shelf or Googled and said, "How do I deal with a pandemic?" It's it's really uh, it, it's forced you to it's forced you to to really think about what's happening around you. And I, I, I honestly, Jeff, it's, it's more about it, it. It slowed the thinking down and and people may look at that and go, what do you, what do you mean? Slowed the thinking down is we were, we were at such a frenetic pace prior to COVID-19 and society was moving so quickly. And you just look at the the digitization of our life, things were moving at a rapid space. And all of a sudden something like this just, brings everything to a halt. And so for the first little while, it was adjusting to that, that halt. And it was absorbing as much information and trying to communicate it with the broader community and hoping that you're doing the right thing. And what I mean by that is the distilling of the information, then getting the information to the broader public, making decisions about the city, it was all being done in real time. And there was nothing you could lean back on and say, well, they did it this way that this time, when it happened at this time, and you couldn't point to real previous concrete situations. You just had to trust your team. You had to trust your instincts. And it did slow. It, things came to, things slowed, slowed down. And it's, it's hard to explain and put it into words, but um, that, 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 Reduction in speed, I think, allowed us to be more more present and more cognizant of the decisions and how we were approaching the pandemic. As the pandemic uh, moved from a month to six months to twelve months, um, those were the those were the the um, that sort of learning that came from it and uh, Mm -hmm. challenges, but you know, also great opportunity to, to, to learn, um, skills
0: that I, I may not have learned otherwise. Yeah. The simplicity of it was, was kind of cool, especially at first that the frenetic pace, like you said, slowed down, but you know, you're talking about simultaneously the, the the rate of processing information to make decisions and not having a a previously existing roadmap. And I I feel like in in your context, especially dealing directly with health professionals, um, the learning was evolving. Yes. And so even, you know, a, a month ago type of type of information became so outdated so quickly that you were you were you were always kind of making it up as you go, which isn't typically the experience-based, proven, tested, uh, you know, systems of, of collective decision-making that leaders are, are used to, certainly you in a, a broader political sense are used to. And so that's that's got to have been super hard. You know, when you, when you think about the challenges and even the learnings, like when you look back in the last year or year and a half, what, what would some of those highlights be other either from a challenge perspective or a learning perspective?
1: Well, I, I think the, the, the challenge and the learning was the um, evolution of trust. Like you, you, we have a great team at the city of St. Catharines. We have a great team at the region and you had to innately trust each other's decision-making. So we had the information, as, as you said, was coming at you like a fire hydrant turned on and as a group, we all had to absorb it and then figure out how to make our community safe and then figure out how to communicate that and, and bring people along. And so it was the greatest challenge, communication, um, transitioning to a, a form of communication that was just starting to evolve, which is the sort of online, um, where you're, where you're, you're using video technology on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter to get information to a large larger audience, and it was developing that level of trust, developing that level of of confidence, um, and also looking at the information and 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 making sure that um, making sure that we were all comfortable with the information that we were sharing. And what I mean by that is, it was it was it was dense information, it was medically based information, and so we had to. We had to receive that, and then we had to give that to the community in a way that it brought everybody. So older adults, young people, um, people from different backgrounds. So we we had to think of the nuances of this entire pandemic. From okay, older adults maybe not have computers, maybe they're not as computer savvy. So how do we connect with them? And with young people, you know, they're not reading the traditional newspaper, they're not listening to the the radio. How do we connect with them? And, you know, people who have different languages or uh, English isn't their second language, how are we communicating with them? And it was really in real time, just trying to get everything so that people weren't falling through the spaces um, that were, you know, being left open in the communications gap. And so those were the challenges and, and it was, um, also, the the you know facing the reality that people were suffering, either medically or from financial situations, or from societal situations such as you know online learning for education, or um, being in 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 situations where the family dynamics weren't as strong, but uh, they were forced to be in that family dynamic because of because of stay at home orders. Uh, these are all areas that we had to. Um, be aware of, react to, create 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 solutions for, or at least try to manage. And it wasn't just my position, but it was being part of those discussions and tables to be able to say, um, "These are the challenges that we're facing. How are we going to? Like, we have to address them. How are
0: we going to do it?" So it really pushed us out of our comfort zone. I I believe it, and that 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 that's a great description, Walter, of trying to go from being bombarded with you know, medical, technical, sophisticated information and build a bridge from like the modeling to the, the resident, the citizen. And, you know, both in a simple, but also in a very diverse and, and applicable way. That's been, I can imagine, a, just a tremendous challenge. And, you know, on top of that, as you said, appreciating that you're navigating three crises in one. Right, the physical health crises of COVID, yeah. the mental health crises, uh, yeah. crisis of isolation and you know online learning and things like that, and the economic crisis yeah. and, and the the impact on on industries. And so, uh, I'm just curious now at this point, you know, 16 months or so out of it, we've we've started to enter a, a bit more of a phase of reopening. How are you as mayor, uh, just feeling about where as a society we're at these days? Well, I'm more optimistic
1: than I was six months ago. Uh, I think what we're seeing with the the rate of vaccination, the efficacy of the, the vaccines themselves, and the the sort of medical information that's coming forward related to how effective the vaccines are in terms of more of a long-term protection, you really do see that the the last stages, we are in the last stages of, of what has been a, a long time of, of, of you know, uh, just a long shift of, of society. And so looking forward, um, there's a sense of optimism with, you know, a tinge of, of caution. And I think that's how we have to approach the coming months ahead is we, we've we got the optimism that uh, we've we by, by and large, based on the vaccination rates are going to be beyond the, um, the restrictions, but at the same time, we have to be cautious about the evolution of, of a virus like this. And so, you know, it's, it's the maintaining that level that maintaining it. Honestly, Jeff, it's, it's making sure that people see the, the optimism of where we're going, but at the same time say, okay, let's not rush this. Um, let's just not shed away all of the the different um, practices that we've come to, to that have become habitual, such mm-hmm. as washing your hands. Like it's good. To, it's just good hygiene, Jeff. Like, yeah. <laughs> wash yeah. your hands frequently. If you don't feel well, don't go out. If you or don't go to work, if you're not feeling well, wear a mask. If if you're in a large environment where you can't, um, there's very little effort to to. Um, to 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 create that space even for the next little while as we start to open up um let's just be a little bit more cautious so that we can we can protect against any kind of you know slight increase in 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 something that may cause a concern And, and
0: that's where we are yeah yeah vaccines definitely feels like are the finish line but we're not there yet so, hey, what do, you, what do you say in training? You got to run through the finish line. You don't, you don't yeah. start walking towards don't, it. Don't stop with 10 yards to go. <laughs> um, well, let's shift gears then, because uh, I, I know that a huge passion area for you, and frankly, a, a huge part of your campaign and your uh, terms in office has been related to this idea that you've had uh, around the Compassionate City Initiative. Uh, talk about how that's going these days, and what's inspiring you lately with the way people are tracking. So,
1: <clears throat> I've given a lot of thought to that over the last year, and um, I truly believe that the foundations that were set by creating the creating the conditions for a compassionate city. So, the the foundation, the encouraging, the commitment to being a compassionate city, really created the opportunity during the pandemic to, in many ways, test the resiliency of compassion. And trust me, it's, it's been tested over the last 16 months. (laughs) I hear you. And so what I have seen though, is that there is so much more compassion in our community than I, I think we ever thought was, was, was possible. And it came from the small things that had happened over the past 16 months. It came from the big things. It came from people who um, got out of their comfort zone to provide support for those who were housebound, uh, to provide support for those who were going through significant traumas, people who volunteered for the distress center, people who volunteered for the different shelters, people who got involved in community care. And, and those are all individual acts of compassion. And as a city, because we largely had to slow down our operations, <clears throat> at times we had to shut down operations, that 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 way of compassion um, wasn't as forthright and at the front of center of the city as, a, as an operation. But we had staff who were reaching out as part of our senior outreach program, because we have we have about 600 members that are part of the seniors' centers in St. Catharines. And once we shut down, that center may have only been, that may have been their only lifeline to okay. an outside setting where they got to see their, their, their fr- extended friends. So our staff started a phone calling um, service where our staff were calling seniors every day from the centers and just checking in. How are they doing? Having conversations with them and they came up with these ideas on their own and I strongly believe that because of our teachings of compassion and what we've done as a city it helped to create the the environment that people saw beyond themselves they saw the they saw that they can look at society in different lenses and that one that they chose was compassion and so you know this pandemic has been, in many ways, a validation of of what we have have really been talking about and, and pursuing for the last four or five years,
0: and it's only going to strengthen us, Jeff. And yeah, I would I would I would agree with that, and and I felt like in our church context, we saw some of that as well, where when the program when when the programs and the formal structures were stripped away what COVID revealed was you still had people with hearts that would live out love at a lifestyle level. Right. And, uh, you know, the examples you're talking about, even with your staff and, and, uh, compensating for the lack of structure and programmatization of serving seniors. Well, listen, we're going to, we're going to do that on a personal level. And man, that's gotta be encouraging to know that at a, at a heart lifestyle level, you know, across our community as citizens, that that people want to live that out. That's that's great stuff.
1: It is, and I, I'll just share one small story. Uh, I was on one of those calls with the seniors, and uh, I believe I think her name was Evelyn, and and we were talking, and she, and she started crying, and I and I was as we were talking about it, I said, "So, you know, where are the tears coming from?" And she goes, "Those calls were the only time anybody called me during the last six months." Hmm. Her family, she you know, she, she was a widow, um, didn't have extended family, and and it really hit home because I'm like, wow, if if we hadn't done that, this individual would have not had contact potentially with anybody for long periods of time. Yeah. Literally, and
0: if not me, then who?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that uh, was that fantastic. was a that was a
0: that was an interesting like that was a a heartwarming exchange after, at the yeah. end of it. That's super encouraging. Hey, um, I know that one aspect of your compassionate city work has been to raise the profile of diversity and inclusion. Yes. So coming out of June, we just finished Pride Month, and uh, recently you were part of delivering a a crosswalk to celebrate LGBTQ plus people in our community. Talk about how that's been going. That
1: uh, has been amazing that first of all the committees we have an anti racism committee we have an lgbtq2 plus committee and we have a diversity and inclusion committee and all three have different work plans that they're 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 working on with the city to better to better design and inform and create stronger policies and and one of the outcomes was the lgbtq2 plus um, crosswalk for for pride month and you know it was it was, it was so heartwarming to, to see the stories when, we, when it was unveiled. And then there was a, an act of vandalism uh, that occurred on the crosswalk. And again, go back to a compassionate city. And it was interesting because we could have either focused on the damage or focused on the outpouring of support yeah. um, once the damage occurred. And, and I got to say, like the, the amount of people who, who, who contacted me personally and said, Look, I I don't know what's it, it's going to cost the city to repair it, but can I help contribute? Um, I've got friends who are in the lbgtq 2 plus committee community, and um, I just want to help some way. I want to I, I want to I want to be a part of, of something like this. And and it was, you know, we often get caught in the negative. We often get caught up in that negativity. the the the, the you know the ones who don't want to build inclusivity that that want to keep oppression or that sense of privilege. Uh, they want to keep those imbalances as part of our society. And we, you know, we can get drawn into that negativity. And I think what, you know, the last month has, has, has really brought to the forefront with the indigenous, uh, the, the, the 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 uncovering of, of the mass graves and the unmarked graves for uh, the residential schools for our indigenous community, um, What's happening in the LGBTQ2 plus with the, you know uh, increasing homophobic issues? Um, what happened in London with um, with that fa- Muslim family that was you know that was killed by a, 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 a an act it's of public. hatred? Yeah, um, that all brings to the forefront the questions of what kind of community are, are, are we building here in Saint Catharines? And you know the last month has has been. Even more important to talk about compassion. What does that look like? And compassion for our Muslim brothers and sisters, for our, our indigenous brothers and sisters, and you know, our, our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ. It all it's all come together. And um, you know, if we don't have compassion for one another, I, I think society starts to to tear apart pretty quick.
0: Hmm. You mentioned the tragedies of the 215 and then the 751 graves of the indigenous children found on residential schools. As a church community, we've been staring that in the face as well. I'm I'm curious, you know, what steps has the city been taking to foster good relatives' relationships with First Nations people uh, around Niagara? And That's that's a great question, because as part of Truth and Reconciliation,
1: we committed to uh with our we, we, we made a partnership with our Niagara region native center and here in niagara and, and we signed an mou and and i remember when we signed the mou that uh, we uh, we were do, we signed the actual mou at the niagara region native center and and the executive director at the time um he looked at me and he goes um you know like these 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 things don't mean much to us and and uh, i was like what do you mean by that and he goes well You know, history has told us that, you know, when we sign documents with white people, nothing ever happens. And I was like, "Wow, like that's," and it hit me, and it was one of those, yeah, I get it. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's true. And so, um, and we've been we've been committed to that that relationship. that The MOU is just a piece of paper. Um, the spirit of the MOU is that we walk towards reconciliation together. And what does that mean, Jeff? It means that. We have had cultural learnings uh, from members of the Niagara Region uh, Native Center here at St. Catharines as staff. So we've gone; our staff have gone through cultural learnings. Uh, we've looked at and our support of the powwow at Montebello Park. So we're a partner in that. Uh, the celebration of Nations that takes place at the First Interior Performing Arts Center. Uh, we are a partner in that, and it's also looking at our bylaws. Uh, little things like our our, our fire bylaw. Uh, so we have a fire ban here in the city of St. Catharines, but we have an indigenous community that fire is a part of their 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 traditional practices, yeah, and so culture. being yeah. able to modify our bylaws so that our First Nations can continue to hold their their sacred fires. Um, little things, and I don't when I say little, I mean like policy things like that to supporting the the um, the First Nations when they go through things that uh, have occurred in the last month, the trauma that has been. Um, uncovered that has shown generations of, of impact. And so um, our commitment is to continue to walk this path and the teachings that we've heard, Jeff, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in this is they talk about seven generations and first nations thinks they think in seven generations, which is great, great, great grandchildren. And it'll take that long um, for this, for this horrible, horrible scar and, and, and wound to, to get to a place where uh, healing will have taken place. So whatever we're doing today, we have to think seven generations out in terms of our truth and reconciliation. So the foundation we're we're, we're laying at the city of St. Catharines, it, this can't be a four-year thing. This has to be a you know eighty-year journey that we're starting. And so I'm not I'm, like I'm not going to be around when the the fourth and fifth generations from now. Are are on this journey. I just my only hope is that the journey is is going to continue in a very strong way.
0: That's awesome. Hey, uh, I know that your vision for a thriving community, let alone a compassionate city, involves everyone. And so, uh, kind of as we wrap up, I'd be curious to to get your take on the role that you see the church playing, and you know specifically, how do you see the church helping or hindering? The vision of a thriving community and compassionate city, and then if you want to get more specific, you know, how are you feeling about Southridge's role in contributing to that, wanting to be players in helping our community thrive and our city become more compassionate?
1: Well, uh, great question, Jeff. And I, I think faith plays a, a fundamental role in the that that overarching vision of inclusivity, of of diversity, of celebration of 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 compassion because the, the teachings of the Bible show the, the roots of the Bible are rooted in compassion. And the more that the communities of faith can have those discussions and the the, the education and the, and the learnings that come from that, they'll only strengthen our, our, our community. And I think what, what Southridge has done so effectively is, is had those honest conversations. And I think coming out of the pandemic, if if there's one thing that I'm I'm hopeful is that faith groups will will continue to encourage um, create uncomfortable space for people to be in so that they can talk about faith uh, you know the Muslim community the Jewish community the Christian community having uncomfortable conversations and what I mean by that is is peeling back. A lot of the um, issues that are facing our communities, peeling them back so that uh, we get to a place where we can really get at the roots of it. The 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 shelter at Southridge has been a leader in transforming people's lives. I think we need to continue to have those stories being told about the transformation. Uh, you know, the Bible is about transformation and we need as a community to continue to be inspired through faith that transformation is, is, is hard work, but it also leads to something much better. And that's the role I think in, in society and our community that faith based groups play is talking about transformation, talking about how hard it is, but also talking about when we get to the other side of transformation, beautiful things, take root.
0: And I think we're going to need that more than ever coming out of the pandemic. Although hmm. well, that was like preaching level, just so you know, um, you know, around here, we, we talk about the the legacy of Jesus and the the way of life that we understand him inviting people into, you know, to, to have this impact or this legacy of comfort to the afflicted, to the affliction of those who are otherwise comfortable. And to hear your description of the, the the journey of transformation, and how essential it is to engage in uncomfortable conversations, and really, just like exercise, you know, you and I running on the trail, like to go outside of your comfort zone to be changed. Yeah. Um, that, that just that was a terrific dis- description of that. So, um, it, it, Mr. Mayor, I will give you one final shot if you've got any. Uh, closing encouragements or challenges to our listeners when it comes to us personally at a lifestyle level, and all of us together uh, contributing to a thriving, compassionate city and region.
1: I would say, uh, sort of a lasting message as we, as we start to open up our our community. Um, remember, remember the lessons that we've learned through the pandemic is quite. Quite quickly, we can move to a different place and forget the lessons. Uh, remember what compassion looked like and felt like during a pandemic, uh, but also remember that the speed at which things will open, uh, we have to be mindful to push back at the speed and allow ourselves to be purpose, purposefully slow. If we if we do that as a community, I I, I think we will avoid some of the potential. Missteps that will happen as society sort of ramps back up quickly. And so that's a that's a message for the individual is to be purposely slow as we come out of this. And I think in doing so, uh, we'll all be better for it. Hmm.
0: That's a great last word. Mayor Senzik, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We appreciate you. We pray for you. We're cheering you on and want to be active supporters uh, of your vision for our uh, broader community and uh, yeah just want you to know that we're behind you and uh, sharing in that vision with you for those who are listening I hope you've been challenged and inspired with the opportunity that we have to be part of this larger village than just our local congregations uh you know in st catherine's vineland and Welland, and across niagara to to be part of this larger village that's trying to bring the life and love of god through a heart of compassion to life and uh walter i just appreciate your leadership in that so thanks to you and thanks to everyone who's been listening in uh we will join you again next week as we continue finding our way together take care everyone